podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to episode five of VAR at the Bar. Again, we're not at the bar, we're in isolation. Nevertheless, I am Dan, I'm joined by... My name is Chris. And I'm Anne. Right, we're going to get right into it. We're going to name our top ten central defenders in the Premier League. How have you guys found this? Because mine's come out with some... Some funky names, I must admit. That I found it a lot easier than our world players from like a, week, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I scored just as much, to be honest. I think my, my top six or so I was pretty comfortable with, but then beyond that, I had about another ten names where I could have interchanged any of them, really. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I've put down a few names. Like you said, the, the, top, the top five are pretty good, good to go. But then it's just a bit of a, it'd be an interesting debate, I think, on our six to ten, if we've got any differences and where we put people. Um, well, I'm convinced that we will have some differences. I can almost guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be interesting because I'm sure that someone's going to put in a bit of a red herring. And it, I'm sure that's going to create debate. So for that reason, I'm going to start with Mr. Ant. Okay, I'll get my wild card out of the way first, because he's my number 10, was Paul McGrath. Okay. Now, Fergie disregarded him at United um, and tried to get him to sign his retirement papers there and then. And then four year, and they signed for Villa. Uh, four years later, Villa comes second to Man United in the uh, first of the season of Premier League. And McGrath, at the age of 33, won PFA Player of the Year that year. Wow. Wow. And only Terry and Van Dyke have won it since as defenders. So. so it's a shame with him as well. Such a, an excellent player, but had a few demons and bad injuries as yeah. well. Um, so he, he moved to Derby at 37 and he helped them stay up in their first season. He played 24 times. Um, and from what I read, he had constant health and fitness problems. And apparently he only ever used to train for 10 minutes at a time at Villa. Wow. And to, to win PFA Player of the Year at 33, for me, I had to put him in my top 10. I mean, that's a, one bit left field, but you've definitely, I think, raised some very good points there, mate. I just hope your other nine are, are as good. Getting the wild cards out of the way again, I've gone for my number 10 pick as Martin Larson. Oh, man. Uh, Aston Villa. Yes, that's right. Oh, Villa bias going on here. <laughs> have you two been chatting without me being involved with this well, you know, Villa's always had a top defence haven't they Aston Villa no. No. they have had a, a knack of getting decent centre-backs yeah I'll give you that ok tell me some stats mate or what, what your reasons are then for this one it wasn't at Villa too long unfortunately he had uh, lots of injury problems uh, knee injuries and they eventually forced him to retire from the game so I think if he'd have played a bit longer he might get a bit more recognition. But I remember when I did see him play, I just thought he was absolute natural for the Premier League. He was pretty fast, incredibly strong, dominant in the air, and quite aggressive and a great tackler. I just thought he was so so well at home in the Premier League. When I think of great defenders, I always thought of him, the way he played when he was at his best at Villa. Um, what people probably don't know is that prior to that, he was at uh, AC Milan. I think he played 20 games in a season when they had Maldini and Nesta there. He was still getting game time. But then they signed Yarp Stam and he, <laughs> he was basically had to leave. But now he's a, he's a top defender in my eyes. But um, he didn't play that many games at Villa. He only managed 84 games. But he did get eight goals in that time. So it was a, quite a threat from set pieces. So yeah, I know it's a controversial one, but the way he played the game, I, that's, what I, that's what I like to see in a defender. So that's why he's made my list. Fair play. No, I like that. Um, well, my my two I got is um, Deadly King and Yap Stam. Deadly King, I think, is one of the a very unlucky player because I think he could have ended up being um, a fantastic centre back. I mean, to be at 25 years old and having to go on reduced training schedules for like starting off from one to two day training to having no training whatsoever because of your knees are that bad. And to, to produce the performances he did day in, day out for quite 
quite phenomenal, really, to be honest. Um, I mean, still managed 21 caps for England. And he still managed even uh, 268 games um, for Spurs before his retirement. And he got a League Cup in as well. And I put Stan with him there, with him there as well. I mean, Stan... I mean, he only played 79 games for Man United, but won three Premier Leagues. Um, and then there's obviously this whole controversy about him being forced out of the Premier League. Um, not Premier League, sorry, out of Man United by Fergie, which obviously then, what you said, Dan, came to his transfer then to AC. Um, I just thought that they both commanded the box fantastically well. Um, I mean, probably King was slightly more technically better but Stam was a very old-fashioned type defender, and um, who I who I think deserved to be be put in the top ten. But I just couldn't see any difference between the two, to be honest. So that's why you had I pick had to one, put though. What's that? If you ever pick one, if I had to pick one, yeah, you well, go if on. You were the manager, and like, right, I need go to pick on, one. go on then. I'll go with Ledley King. Okay, I probably uh, agree with yeah. you on that. Out those two. Yeah, I mean, for what he did in, in terms his short of term, wise. yeah, yeah, exactly. In his short term, what he did, consistently pulling out the performance he did, and he can also play in defensive mid as well. So, two in one there. He's my number nine pick. I think he's a he's a great player. When he uh, retired, Thierry Henry said he's the best defender he's ever faced. He's the only guy that could tackle him without fouling him. And that, that's high praise. Yeah, definitely. And I think he could have probably have, have led, um, led England at some point as well. Yeah, because he, he definitely got better towards the end of his career. It's just a shame that that's when the injury started to kick in. It was basically at a point where it was bone on bone. So it, it would be very sore and swell up. And there's no, there's no operation you can have because there's no cartilage there. So all they have to do is rest him. That's why he couldn't train. And they just hoped he'd be fit and uh, feel, feel well enough by the weekend. Sad, really, because uh, he could have played for a lot longer if he had a, if he had a healthy knee. Yeah. Right then, I think that leads to Ant's number nine. Then, if I've my number nine is Ricardo Carvalho. He's a fantastic uh, defender. Obviously, he was part of the uh, Jose Mourinho revolution. Won three premierships, three FA Cups. Perfect mentor to John Terry next to him. I think between the pair of them, um, there was. Absolutely brilliant defence. I mean, that's a fair... I mean, just for his record alone, speaks volumes, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Terry a bit later, but... Um, spoiler <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think... <laughs> I hope everyone's got him on the top ten list. Well, actually, I've got uh, Ricardo Carvalho as number five on my list. Fair enough. He was, was a great centre-back. Um, when, he, when he came to England... He struggled a little bit with the physicality of the game. He was not a strong defender. He had to go to the gym, strengthen his shoulders in particular. He kept getting dislocated shoulders, which is a bit of an odd injury to have. But uh, he definitely adapted. And if you look at how long he played the game, he played until he was uh, 39, I think, at the top level across Europe. And the reason why is because he was such an intelligent defender. His positioning was perfect and he read the game so well. He was a top, top defender. No, no, no arguments with that. Um, so for my number, number nine is my wild card, um, Mr. Johnny Evans. Um, ten. I mean, I was supposed to put him in. <laughs> I mean, ten, ten major trophies, two hundred ninety-two appearances at this moment in time. Obviously, there'll be more. Um, what can what more can you say? I mean, I mean, obviously he wasn't part of the total part of the Man United, you know, when they were winning most of those trophies. But however, I'm looking at more his career recently, you know, with West Brom and with Leicester, and that, you know, he's t- taken that step back to play regular football, and I think he single-handedly sort of kept West Brom up quite, you know, for for the seasons that they were there for two two or three seasons went to Leicester and he's proved that he's worth, what was it, 20 million that he moved? Um, to Leicester? From, to Leicester, was it? 3.5 million. 3.5 million. A bargain at a time. Oof. That was the release clause in his contract when West Brom were relegated. Really? Well, I mean, that's he, a little, he's been linked with every, every major club, except maybe, maybe Liverpool. 
um, over the last what five years for silly money. Yeah, just I think Man City close to signing him for twenty million for Leicester snapped him up for three and a half. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like with any defender, he's not had he's had a few injury issues, but as a whole, I've not really seen him do a bad game, play a bad game at the back, even for West Brom or for for Leicester and Man United. I mean, he's he's been capped eighty four times by Northern Ireland, and I'm sure he'll reach. 100 caps by the time he, he decides to retire from um, international football. And I just think he dominates the, the air. He's got fantastic, fantastic um, aerial ability. He seems to read the game very well as well. And I think that's, and I think with his, like what Ant said, similar to the Carvalho Terry um, partnership, it's the same with John um, Shu and, and Evans. I think that he's learned a lot off what Johnny Evans has done and 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 off his experience. And that's why I've put him at uh, number nine. And that's a great show. I, I thought long and hard about Evans because I'm, I'm a huge fan of Johnny Evans. Uh, the way he reads the game, like you say, excellent. Absolutely excellent. And it always frustrated me that at Man United, he was misused. Uh, they put him in defensive partnerships where there'd be another another defender who would drop a bit deeper and be responsible for reading the game. And Evans would have to do the pressing and he'd have to do the tackling. And he, never, he was never made for that role. He never had those physical uh, attributes. And he got exposed a lot, which I thought was stupid, really. But when he's gone to other teams where they've let him lead the defence and play to his strengths, West Brom and Leicester have really got the most out of him. And he looks like a world-class defender now. It always frustrated me at Man U because they didn't give him a fair shot. The frustration, and another thing is as well that they, they always said, oh yeah, he's one for the future, we'll give him time and things like that. And then suddenly next thing you knew, he was sort of then off to, to West Brom. And you just thought, it's just madness, really. I suppose when you think about the centre partnerships United have had over the past 10 years or whatever, now you have Ferdinand Vidit, they yeah. did have a strong backbone for many, many years. And it must have been hard for Evans to get in that team. It was. Yeah, but I think it was within uh, two years they had Vidic, Ferdinand, Evans, and Ferguson all leave, and then look what was left. Yeah, not a lot. True that. Right then, mate. Uh, I think and um, Phil Jones. <laughs> 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 no, my number eight is um, Virgil Van Dijk. Okay. Um, he's only down that low, obviously, because I know he's played at Southampton. He was great at Southampton. He's been phenomenal at Liverpool. Um, but I think if you ask me if we do this again in two years' time, it'll, it'll probably be pushing top three or one. I just think you hope so. I hope so, yeah. I really do. <laughs> he's just, um, he's got everything. Pace, power. You know, he can read the game brilliantly. He's a great leader, as we've seen for Holland. Um, he's won PFA Player of the Year. He's won the Champions League. He's won the World Club Cup. It's so evident when he doesn't play for Liverpool how good he is and I know it's not just down to him how good how how much Liverpool have changed as well it's down to Alisson as well but Van Dijk's a big part of it so he's he's my number eight but I'll say that he will climb the ranks totally agree I've got him as number six on mine but again he's got he's just your complete defender isn't he he's got composure on the ball he's got a great reading of the game he just seems to be everywhere, doesn't he? Like we've said before, I think on other podcasts, that just pops up in the area that that he, that he just almost got that the, the ball's glued to his foot, foot somehow or to his head. Just incredible reading of the game. Yeah, he's not on my list purely because he's not played enough games. But um, I, I totally agree with everything you said. I think I hope that in a few years' time, he's going to be in my top three because he's got everything. He's a Excellent defender. Uh, okay, Dan, number eight for you. Right, so number eight is, uh, and again, another, another wild card, as you say, Chris. <laughs> um, right, I've gone for, I'm just going to read you the stats first, actually. 450 Premier League games. And he's played for numerous clubs. Twice he's been made club captain, and he was a real leader on the pitch. Six foot four inch, 
dominating centre back. I've gone for Sylvan Distan. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, that is a wild card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, it, I, don't, I felt like he's someone who always didn't get the, the praise he deserved, but he was a strong centre back for a long time. Yeah, I've over the years I have, um, I couldn't yeah. really talk that much about him, to be honest, because I've never paid that much attention to him, I just respect him, but. Uh, he's obviously played for so many different clubs, Portsmouth and Villa. Was he around in the in Moyes' era with uh, Jackie Alka at the back? Yes, those that's two? right. Yeah, yeah. No, he. I thought those two worked phenomenally well um, together during that t- tenure. Yeah, he fitted in well with that scheme. He was quite an old school centre back. He thought defending was basically just for defending. He didn't think he had to play on the ball too much. Yeah, that, that's fair enough. 400 appearances for a Premier League club deserves a mention in the top top 10, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I mean, he's number eight on my list. He's not number one. Uh, oh, no. no. There, were a lot of, there were a lot of players that were close to getting in my top 10 as well. But I just thought on balance, with all the games he's played, and he played at the highest Premier League level for a long time, that's what edged him onto my list. Fair enough. My number eight is going to be Mr Bidget Bidich. Man United. Have you got him higher? I've got him at six. I've got him at six. Six. I mean, to be honest, excellent player. You can't, you know, he's 211 appearances, three Premier, uh, five Premier League, sorry, three League Cups. A very good, good Man United team. Only thing I can say is that he, he seemed to suffer from mental blips with certain players. Um, especially Fernando Torres. <laughs> Eto as well. Eto was another one. Um, yeah, Milan Baros as well was a was another one that he struggled with, incredibly. Um, yeah, I just found that against pacier players that were a little bit sort of, you know, the style was slightly different to your normal um, striker. He struggled a bit, and that showed obviously when he got sent off. At the main one was at Man United, wasn't it? Where he tried to basically crop Torres when he was clear. Um, but barring that, I mean, his record just speaks volumes anyway. Um, and that's why I put him at number eight. Um, you know, you don't win five, five Premier Leagues for being a bad defender, do you, really? No. Um, he was a regular starter with Birdland, which was pr- a pretty good, um, good partnership. And they seem to they seem to work very well together. Yep. Yeah. Um, you summed up right. exactly what I, I would have said if if we got to number six. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. mean, I'll be honest with you. I think if he didn't have these um, small failings that he had, because obviously it wasn't just a one-off, you could see it was a sort of a pattern occurring. Um, then he probably would have been higher with me, but because <laughs> he the same as me. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so number seven, guys. Uh, Vincent Company. Ooh, okay. I mean, don't Why so low? Well, I think he's a great captain. He's obviously a great leader. He's won four premierships, two FA Cups, uh, yeah. however many League Cups on account. Um, I, I've put him down that low because he he was out a lot with injuries. And I know it's a bit harsh on him, but I, I just I looked at it and maybe in hindsight I might swap him around with Vidic at six. I don't know, but... <laughs> It'll be either six or seven. Okay. No, I mean obviously everyone else's opinion. I mean I'll put him um, number two for me. Okay. Um, I just found that uh, he was there just slightly before, was it? I think he was one of their um, first sort of signings when they got their money. Yeah. I just think that his man management is well around with other players. I don't think he seems like he's a person that lived, breathed Man City, um, probably played more games when he was injured that he should have probably not played. You know what I mean? Probably rushed back a bit too fast at times. That's why he kept on getting injured. Um, but that just shows what an important player he was. I think he was massive in the, the back, um, away from the game as well, with the players. And it seems to have been a massive um, loss for Man City this year as well. Yeah, that, that's been massively evident. I mean, it just shows, like I'm just saying, as much as, you know, with, with Liverpool last year, how good they were and how well Leicester played against Man City in that game where he scored that 
worldy. It would just have to be him, wouldn't it, that scored that <laughs> winning goal as well. It was just written, it must have been written in the stars. And I mean, what a hit that was as well. Yeah, can we move on now, please? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, what have you got there, Dad? All right, number seven, I've gone for Martin Kieran. Okay. Ooh, okay. Beast. Exactly. Yeah, he was uh, very aggressive, very fast, very strong, good in the air. He basically covered everything defensively. Uh, he wasn't too good on the ball. If he, if he had that as well, he'd be right near the top of the list. But um, no, defensively, I really couldn't fault him. And he was around for a long time, playing at the highest level. No, no, I don't. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he was one of George Graham's boys, wasn't he? The ethos of the defence. What was it that they used to say about that? They had a string, piece of string, didn't they, to make sure they're all in line and things <laughs> like that. I've gone with uh, Big Sammy, Sammy Hippier. Right, number seven. Um, he came at Liverpool when they were in a transition stage, I thought, um, and he sort of got the really sort of shored up their defence. Um, you know, won two FA Cups, um, won three European Cups, all three, uh, not at the same time, obviously. Uh, two League Cups as well. And I just think he was a real, um, one of your last sort of old school defenders. You know, he gets in, his timing was pretty good with tack- tackles. Banged in a few goals as well at set plays. And I just thought he's an incredible leader as well. And he sort of lit, again, another one that lit, breathed the club as well. Um, And the whole ethos. Over 100 caps as well for international. Um, But yeah, that's what I'll put him at number seven. He was a great player. Um, Bargain as well. It's like two million we signed him for. (laughs) To go on to be captain of Liverpool. Incredible. He, he really grew from when he first joined, and you could sense that it was just you know his time. No one was going to sort of replace him. And at that mm-hmm. time, it's a shame really that there was no title, yeah. Premier League title. Um, number six for I think you've done your number six, have you? Right? Yeah, it was Vidic. Vidic, and yours was Vidic, wasn't it? Yep. Mine was Van Dijk, so there we go. Moving swiftly on to number five. Um, Salt Campbell. <laughs> My number four. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, he was part of the Invincibles team, uh, obviously. Um, he, was, he was just Mr. Mr. Consistent, Mr. Cool at the back. You know, he, he was just another great leader. He won trophies. The fact that he won trophies with Spurs and Portsmouth tells you you're obviously you know a great leader as well. Um, yeah. When was the last time we could say they won trophies? Oh, true. No, I mean he's my number four, and just precisely for the same reasons, he's played over 500 league game, Premier League games. Um, like I say, to win titles not only with one club but with with three shows that he's obviously got there's something about him that he's not just wanting for himself, that he's a team player. And I mean, what he did with Portsmouth and that run in the FA Cup was pretty spectacular, especially against Man United. And well, I think Man United did everything bar score, bar score, sorry. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. And you can't he, really... He, dis- he had a, I think, because they, I could be wrong, they knocked out Man United, didn't they, that year? They did, yeah. Dented Man United's... Double? Yeah. Yeah. When he won the um, League Cup with Spurs, I think they knocked Man United out as well. And that would have been Man United's quadruple. Just, just says it all, really. And I mean, to have the guts as well to move, do that move from Spurs to Arsenal. I mean, you know, he, he, he just shows that he's got, he's got that character to sort of do those big money moves. He's not, you know, so he's very... Adventurous, and he wants to be the best, and obviously it proved that when he was in that team, the Arsenal team. Dan, what about yourself? What have you gone for? I had um, Vidic at number six, yeah. and Carvalho at number five. Oh, number five. I've gone with um, Big Tony Adams at number five. He was my number three. Was he? My number two. 
Oh, my point a bit too low down then. This is where it gets interesting. It's <laughs> your opinion. No, uh, I mean, I, you know, obviously he's an old school defender, isn't he? He's, you know, you're great in the air. Not, not great with pace, unfortunately. Um, but again, if you've got positional awareness, which he had, then that was fantastic as well. Um, that really helped with his game. He, he was one of those defenders that, that knew what the striker was going to do before even they knew what they were going to do. Yeah. He just read them. And I, I watched a lot of Euro 96 this week, a couple of the England games, yeah. and it was, it was evident in that how good he was. Yeah. Just with the ball, unfortunately, he was always a little bit, bit iffy. But again, when you've got somebody that wins, what was it, two Premier Leagues, three FA Cups, can't, you know, that's again a great record. And obviously the things before Premier League as well, you know, he was around before that time. And um, just Mr. Consistency, wasn't he? I mean, that's exactly, you know, captain for Arsenal. He was the main man that George Graham went to. I'm sure if there was any changes, he would go to him to to tell the team that. And I think a lot of team, a lot of the teammates from what I've heard from other interviews really regarded him as one of the top, top blokes. Right then, so four. <laughs> Gary Pallister. Oh, okay. Um, part of the early Fergie regime. Um, it was a powerful, tall, very quick. Um, he won four premierships, three FA Cups. He scored goals. He set up goals. He had the national record for a defender at the time of signing for United. And he also appeared for England before he even appeared in the top flight. Uh, he, he just had this knack of scoring crucial goals. Um, unfortunately, two of which were against Liverpool at Anfield to dent our title hopes in '97. <laughs> but we'll brush over that. Um, yeah, I just thought he was just a really good player, and um, I sort of looked at. I remember growing up, and it was all Pallister and Bruce, Pallister and Bruce. And for me, I'd choose him over Bruce. That's why I put him in, in my top ten. It's very underrated. He is very underrated. Yeah, played quite yeah, a lot with, for Middlesbrough as well, didn't he? Yeah. Afterwards as well, he sort of stayed consistent there as well. I think he was pretty good for England when he played as well. Um, what about you, Dan? My number four is Rio Ferdinand. So He's when you my think number three. He's my number one. <laughs> number one? Yeah. Um, wow. So yeah, when I think of Ferdinand, I think of... Um, Defender playing out from the back, uh, passing, dribbling. He had a very good all-round game. But then also his defensive qualities. He could read the game well. He was not afraid of getting physical with a, with a striker. He had an excellent all-round game. The only reason he's not higher on my list, I'd say, it's because uh, towards the end of his career, I thought he faded quite badly. Um, where he used to rely on athleticism, he couldn't do that anymore. His uh, stint at QPR in particular was a disastrous from what I saw. He uh, was a shell of his former self. So I, I put him a little bit lower than other people on my list because I think he didn't quite have as good understanding of the game and the role as some other players. I think as well that I know you, you can't really you know, put somebody for the whole career on it, but this whole failed, failed drugs test malarkey that happened where he was banned it just it, it I mean for me it just still doesn't particularly sit particularly right with me um, I'll put him at number three um, I, I just sounded farcical the whole the whole event really on how it could all be miscommunicated or the lack of turning up for one wasn't it it wasn't the failed drugs test it was actually not turning up to it on time or something he didn't turn up for it three times, I think. I mean, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. I mean, but as a player, like you said, in his prime, you can see he was a fantastic leader as well. He really grew when he moved from West Ham to, to Man United. Um, obviously, with help. help but, I mean, you know, the amount of, of league titles he won, six league titles, Champions League. I mean, you know, the, the guy's top, top class, but... Like you said, he did drop near the end of his career, and that's the only reason why I put him down at number 
well, not down, but as number three for me. So I'd put him at number one based on how good he was at West Ham, Leeds, Man United. Um, and I think he captained all three of them. And he captained Leeds to the Champions League semis. Um, obviously, captain Manchester United in their well, one of their absolute primes. Um, and I always remember this game against. I think uh, it was the semi. Was it semi final against Barcelona when they didn't have Vidic? He was injured or suspended, and they managed to keep clean sheet both legs, I believe. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah, he's, he's had off-field troubles. Um, so is John Terry and. It, it was a toss-up between those two for my number one. But I, I just felt Ferdinand edged it a little bit for me. I just thought he was a better player. He just had this knack of looking a bit nonchalant that was actually good. You know, he, didn't, he looked lazy, but he wasn't lazy, if you know what I mean. He just made it look, look easy. Yeah, he did. He did make it look easy. Yeah, yeah. A bit like Van Dyke, I suppose, nowadays. But Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, yeah, it's all right. QPR, he faded, but... I'm, I'm going to look beyond that. I'm going to stick my number one. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, uh, my my number four is Sol Campbell. So, um, number three for you, Ant. Tony Adams. <coughs> yeah. What about for you, Dan? My number three was Vincent Company. Yeah, my number three was Rio Ferdinand. So, we're all on the sort of same, same wavelength. Uh, my... Oh, sorry, you're number two, Ant. Uh, John Terry. Um, and like I said, uh, like I said just now, it was it was a toss up between him and Ferdinand, and five premierships, five FA Cups, three League Cups. You know, the, the guy scored goals. He's a fantastic leader, um, a great captain, a great defender. But a bit like Ferdinand, he had he had off field troubles as well. You know, the whole I mean, most uh... of him and Wayne Bridge and. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Small thing. Yeah, small things, yeah. Um, it was very hard to choose between him and Ferdinand because they're, they're both exceptional defenders. Yeah. Who the best I mean, my, I'll put him uh, uh, number one. Yeah, he's um, my number one as well, Chris. Uh, most clean sheets by defender as well when he's been on the pitch. And that's over 492 games, which speaks yeah. of volumes, doesn't it? Fantastic leader. Very unfortunate at the Champions League with that penalty, the slip. Yeah, just an yeah. incredible leader. And to stay at that level all his career as well, um, or the majority of it. But yeah, I, I, I immediately, my top three was always going to be Adam, Terry, Ferdinand. It was just for order. Yeah, right, that's fair enough. Uh, yours, number two, Dan? Mine was Tony Adams, and I had Terry at number one. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, the list has brought out some interesting ones, I must admit, but good bit of research there. I like um, McGraw, Distan and Larson. You both put in good arguments with that. But yeah, I mean, obviously one of those those four, isn't it? By the looks of things, out of Terry, Adams, Ferdinand and company. Brian Robson. Tony Adams, players that, that play with their heart on their sleeve and kind of give everything, would kind of front their face and their bodies in front of balls and to stop it in and, and kind of drove other players around them as well. I love to see that as a youngster and it was them two kind of really stick out for me. Okay, next we're going to go into the top five first seasons in the Premier League. So this is newly promoted teams who have gone on to have a successful first season. Chris. Who have you got as your number five? My number five, I've started off with, is Newcastle, the 1994 season, where they finished third. I put them that low, to be honest, because they already had quite a lot of um, very good players at the time. You had Cole, Andy Cole, scored an amazing 34 goals that season. Wow. Beardsley with 21 goals. Um, obviously, they gave the new sort of ethos for attacking football. Kevin Keegan Way scored the most goals that, that season as well in the whole of the league. But I put them there because for those reasons, really. Um, because I didn't think 
like the squad, other teams there, that it was as much of a surprise as my other four that I've got above it. Yeah, um, I think you spot on with that. It's uh, getting a balancing act, isn't it? The amount of investment that they had in the, in the, from the owners versus the expectations and what you thought they would achieve. So I'm totally with you on that one, really. I have them at number four, exactly the same reasons. Right, and who have you got at number five? Uh, I've gone Blackburn, 92, 93. Um, again, they're, they're down there, um, same reasons that Chris mentioned Newcastle and that I have for Newcastle. Um, I know, obviously, they, because they, they had a lot of wealth at the time and they bought Alan Shearer, who was obviously, you know, Andy Cole, who scored loads of goals. Um, but actually, Shearer only played 21 games that season. And... Um, their biggest win, I think, that season was they smashed Norwich 7-1, which you wouldn't really bat an eyelid at, but Norwich finished third that year. Wow. That, that showed you straight away they were like up there in, in contention like quite early on. Yeah, definitely. Good investment there as well, wasn't there? They had good investment. They bought in Sherwood. I don't know whether at that time, and Batty as well. Yeah, um, and much like, um, much like the Newcastle season after, they scored the most goals in the league that year, 68 Wow. And funnily enough, when I was looking at the league table, um, Oldham, finished 17th, scored 63 goals that season. Wow. <laughs> I haven't got a clue who scored them for Oldham, but they scored 63. Wow. That's a good start, that is, mate, to be honest. They needed, obviously, like a, a George Graham-esque um, defence coach, didn't they? So that's why they're down the bottom. <laughs> what about you then, Dan? All right, my number five entry, I've gone for Reading in the 2006-2007 season. They finished eighth in the league. They managed to get 55 points and they were one place or one point even off a UEFA qualifying spot. Very close, but they on the last day they drew three all with Blackburn, so they just missed out on UEFA with the cup spot. They had a net spend that season of £350,000 in the squad. <laughs> Unbelievable. And I had them third on, on mine for that. I've got here that Doyle was their top scorer, 13 goals. Yep. Um, Koppel won two manager of the months. Steve Koppel, that is a name from the past, isn't it? <laughs> He's an Indian. Um, <laughs> um, Doyle was also nominated for Young Player of the Year. I think oh, he didn't win it. And uh, their keeper... Marcus Hanneman had 13 clean sheets that season wow. and he came third in the Golden Glove uh, for that. And I, I just thought that, like you said, Dan, it was a great, great run really, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Twice that season, they went on a run of winning four games in a row. Wow. Quite impressive. In January, they beat West Ham 6-0 that season. And they were tipped for relegation. They were tipped to finish bottom. Uh, with no investment and struggling to get promoted several seasons in a row and then finally getting there, but then not improving the squad. It was a big surprise when they played so well in the Premier League and managed to finish eight. They stayed up for a few yeah. years, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Chris, who's your number four? My number four? I've gone with Knox Forest, the 95 season where they came third. Obviously, Collymore came alive that season, got 22 goals, and then was sold on to Liverpool in the summer, in that summer, for 8.4 million. I mean, that must have been close to a record fee at that time, wasn't it? It was, yeah. I remember doing um, that in Grandma's Garden and found out we signed it. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I put them forth just due to, they had the cloth era. Obviously, unfortunately, he, he got them relegated. And then he was meant to be quite instrumental in getting Frank Clark in, um, who had the right a similar kind of ethos to him, got them straight up with that team. Um, and then he managed to keep hold of all their players while they're in um, the championship, Steve Stones, etc. And then they came up and then they absolutely hammered the, the league, really. To come third was, I think, a great achievement. But again, a similar sort of story to, to Newcastle, I think, due to them keeping quite a lot of their big players, which was a plus. But for this, it's almost a bit of a minus because 
they already had the tools for the job to do that. And I think they probably did slightly exceed expectation. But obviously from Forest back then, then you'd expect them to come sort of mid-table to higher end maybe. You have them on your list, Dan? Yeah, number three for me. Number three for me as well. Similar, similar to what Chris said. Um, they also went on an 11-game unbeaten streak at one point as well. Oh, twice. Oh, was it twice? First 11, first 11 games, they won eight, drew three. And the last 13 games, they won nine and drew four. Ah, fair enough. Wow. It's a great one, really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they had a net spend of 2.35 million. All of that was on Brian Roy. <laughs> which uh, backs up your point. It was all about keeping that squad together. That was what brought their success. Uh, my number four, I've gone for Sunderland in the 99-2000 season. They, um, they finished seventh that season with a total of 58 points. It wasn't plain sailing for them. They, they scored 57 goals. They let in 56. They lost 4-0 on their opening day against Chelsea. Then they managed to score a lot of goals, mainly down to Kevin Phillips, who scored 30 Premier League goals in 36 games. And they had a net spend in the pre-season of £1 million. Oh. Quinn and Phillips such a good partnership, though. Yeah. A proper big man, little man going on. It was good to watch, wasn't it? Yeah. And got Rude Hullet sacked. Yeah. 2-1 win at St James's. I remember that game. He was just so good, though, wasn't he, Phillips? Just so, so accurate. Sort of every shot seemed to at least go on target or go in, that, especially that season. Every, every chance he got, he sort of took. Right, so we're moving on to number three for Chris. Uh, number three was, for me, Reading. Okay. I had Forrest. You had Forrest, as did I. So then on to number two then, Chris. Oh, quick, quick turn around there. Um, <laughs> I've actually gone I've, um, Sheffield United this year. I've done exactly the same, number two. Yeah. I know it's not finished, hypothetically. Purely the reason why I've left them off. Is that the only <laughs> reason why? I finally put them in, but I, I left them off for that reason. But they have been great. Yeah, I mean, with the, yeah. I mean, because of obviously how football's changed as well, money talks a lot, but Sheffield United have proven that you don't need to spend a hell of a lot of money to play in the top league and be consistently good. And I just think that even some of the games that I've seen them lose, a lot of them have looked and gone, they haven't deserved to lose that. Like, for example, the Liverpool yeah. at home this year, they, they scared the living hell out of Liverpool and due to a Henderson mistake, unfortunately, obviously Liverpool won. But I just think they're brilliant to watch. And God knows what his formation is. Like we've spoken about this before. But he's just got he's got defensive players pushing forward and the team just knows exactly what they're doing. And that's just down to good good management. Yeah, what's, what stands out is um, we're 28 games in. They've only conceded 25 goals. They've got the second best defence in the whole league. And they've been very hard to beat, very competitive. They've only managed 30 goals, but I go back to what you say, Chris. They've been so competitive and they've had their chances. If they had better strikers, they'd be pushing right up for Champions League places. They'd, they'd be really close to the top. So if the 1920 season finished now, Ant, where would Sheffield United have been on your list? Um, I'd have stuck them in somewhere between three and five. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually quite surprised with the praise you've given them in previous know, episodes. Like said, just just <laughs> not over yet. I thought I'll leave, I'll leave them off. <laughs> I, thought this was, I thought this topic was perfect for your love for <laughs> Sheffield United and Chris Wilder. They were in my mind until I actually looked to see all the other ones we had on, had on my list and I thought, oh, I'll leave them off. <laughs> okay, so Ant, who have you got at number two? Uh, I had Sunderland at number two. All right, I think on to number one then. Chris, number one. My number one is Ipswich. Same. Same here. Yeah. What an incredible <laughs> season they had. Um, I mean, Marcus Stewart, 19 goals. I've got George Burley, manager of the year. They had a mixture of experience and youth. 
So they had the younger players like Richard Wright, Bramble coming through, and you, you then had your more experienced heads like Jim McGilton. Um, yeah, I mean they've they've just set them up. They set the the league alight to come. I've got here fifth. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, I'm lucky because I think they got relegated the following season. But obviously, it was a good. They had a good good run, didn't they, with that? Yeah, they finished four points behind Arsenal in second, which is unbelievable. Yeah, no one gave them a hope in hell of staying up at the start of the season. Yeah, they, they only spent four million pounds on what was viewed to be a weak squad. Um, to improve that squad, the only notable signings were Herman Hryderson and Martin Reuser. Oh, well, we all know about Herman Hryderson now, don't we? Yeah, relegation the, special. The man of doom, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after five games, they only had four points as well. They struggled at the start of the season. I mean, it's a shame, though, obviously, the following season got relegated. But as with a lot of teams, I think they went a bit big money-wise. I think they bought in Finidi George and players like that. And... I don't think it just worked. didn't work. I don't think Liverpool helped as well. I think they were doing okay and then we went to Portman Road and I think we beat them 5-0 or something like that. Yeah, UEFA Cup campaign didn't help, did it? Stretch the sport. No. Exactly. They ended up playing Inter Milan, didn't they? I seem to remember. Some amazing stats about Ipswich in Europe. At home, they've, they've never lost a game. And they've, they've beaten Inter Milan, Real Madrid, Barcelona, all these big clubs they've beaten in Europe. Wow. At least we're all in agreement with this one, then. Yeah. Yep. We're clean out what we're talking about. <laughs> we're time. all on the same page. Guys, are you ready for a quiz? Oh, go on then. Yes, please. Okay, so as we've experienced previously, I'm going to read out some clubs, name the player. Fingers on the buzzers. All right, first player. Welling United. Birmingham City. Notts County. Fulham. Liverpool. Espanol, Portsmouth. Kuczynski? No, he never played Spain. I think uh, Notts County, Fulham, Liverpool. Um, got pennant in my head, but obviously he went to. That's not him. Played in a World Cup. That doesn't help. He went from Fulham to Liverpool. Yes, they're Norway as well. Yeah, let's throw them in all. Republic of Ireland International. Steve Finn. Yes. I'm willing. And you should put your head in shame for that, mate. <laughs> oh. Okay, one nil to Chris. Second question. Hadjuk split. Primorak, Sibenik, Karlsruhe, West Ham United, Everton, Hadjuk split. Slavon Belic? Correct. Two nil to Chris. Right, third question. Fingers on the buzzers. Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, Chelsea. Torres. Yes. Oh, and it's back in it. <laughs> <laughs> Getting nervous, Chris. Oh, yeah. Come back, son. All right, number three. Charlton, Staines Town, Welling United, Woking, Bournemouth. Carlisle United, Cardiff City, Fulham. Wow. This link with Welling today. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, 
Bournemouth, Cardiff, and Fulham. Arta. Correct. Two two. A lot of time in the non-leagues, didn't they? <laughs> A lot of different spells, yeah. <clears throat> right, two two. Question number five. Arsenal. Norwich. Blackburn Rovers. Tottenham. Birmingham. West Ham. FC Rostov. Blackburn Rovers. Arsenal to Norwich. Can you repeat them, Dan, please, mate? Yeah, of course. Arsenal, Norwich, Blackburn, Tottenham, Birmingham, West Ham, FC Rostov, Blackburn. Bentley? Correct. Well done, that was a tricky one. (laughs) Three, two up, he is back. Chris. How many more questions left? There's two remaining. Oh, and okay. Okay. Arsenal. Man City. Sunderland. Is that it? Yep. Cliche. No. It was mentioned by name about five minutes ago. Quinn. No, Quinn, correct. (laughs) So, Ant, you've won. You're forced to up with one to go. Need a consolation. (laughs) For a bit of pride, Chris, can you get the final one? I need to phone for last week. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. PSV Eindhoven. Man United. Lyon. Dempe, Memphis Depay. Bye, correct. Okay, well done, Chris. Okay, consolation there, but Ants is the winner. Four to three. Oof. Are we keeping track of all these? We need a leaderboard. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can do. Yeah, we can do. <clears throat> if you want to email us with any of your top tens, which will probably be dramatically different to ours, and uh, do it to var at the bar 2020 at gmail.com. Or you could also Facebook us on var at the bar, or even you uh, Twitter us on var, var at the bar one. All right, until next time, see you later. See ya. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs>